You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. One thread in Jewish tradition, it enlarged this hope and applied it not only to the Jewish people, but also to the rest of humanity with a much more universal end to all oppression, all violence, and all injustice. And it was to this Jewish hope for for justice and liberation that the authors of the gospel sought to connect the Jesus story. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. This is episode 305 and our title is A Gospel About Jesus Versus the Gospel Jesus Taught. In Mark 1, 14-15, we read, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and and believe the good news. Now, there's a stark difference between a gospel about Jesus and the gospel that Jesus himself taught in the gospel stories. Let, let's take a look at it this week and, and, and look at what these stories record that Jesus taught. Now, Mark's gospel begins uh, with its version of the Jesus story by having uh, the gospel Jesus taught broken down into to four basic elements. Number one, uh, there's the announcement that the time has come. Number two, there's the announcement that the kingdom has come. Then there's the call in number three to repent, and then number four to believe the good news or the euangelion. Let's talk about number one first, that phrase, the time has come. The hope of the Hebrew people during the time of Jesus was that one day Yahweh would intervene in Jewish history and all oppression and injustice and violence toward the Jewish people would be put right. And, and one One thread in Jewish tradition, it enlarged this hope and applied it not only to the Jewish people, but also to the rest of humanity with a much more universal end to all oppression, all violence, and all injustice. And it was to this Jewish hope for for justice and liberation that the authors of the gospel sought to connect the Jesus story when they used phrases like, the time has come. Let's talk about that second phrase next, the kingdom has come, some Christian feminists rightly name the patriarchal nature of the term kingdom, and they've preferred the term kingdom instead. It, it communicates our interrelated connectedness. It, it, it's, it connotes a, that, that we're part of, of one another. We're all part of the same human family. We're all connected to each other. We're part of one another. We're all kin or we're all kindred. And according to Pastor Melissa Flora Bixler, the term kingdom, it originated actually from a Franciscan nun named Georgine Wilson. I'll put a link to that source in this week's e-site. But I agree with Christian feminist uh, Rita Haldeman Finger, who states that I think kingdom is a good word and better reflects the kind of society Jesus envisions as a shared community of equals who serve each other. But in the political context of the day and in the literary context of the sentence, the term kingdom was easily understood as well as in the 1600s when the King James Bible was translated. So we understand why that term kingdom 
fandom was borrowed in its societal context of that time. Um, but but just like a finger here states, uh, for our purposes and understanding today, if we look at the the nature of that that kingdom in the Gospels, it would be much better represented by the term kingdom. The Gospel uh, describes the kingdom of God as an alternative way to structure human community. And that was in comparison or in contrast with the kingdom of Rome or the Roman Empire. Our problem today is that kingdom, it is patriarchal. And and that phrase, that term itself is patriarchal. And and it's too easily co-opted. History proves this. It has been too easily co-opted by geopolitical kingdoms and empires and oligarchies. Uh, European Christianity uh, is is evidence of that. Uh, A kingdom has both a hierarchy and those that will inevitably be pushed to the edges or the margins of that society. So kingdom is not the best description for, for, for us today. But Jesus' vision, again, it was of a human community that was choosing a life-giving way of structuring itself and choosing to live out the values that shape the world into a safe and compassionate, just home for everyone. And wherever you see these values happening, love is reigning, whatever we name it. It's a, it's a human community that's rooted in love, in compassion, in safety, in equity, and in justice. Jesus's gospel, remember, it wasn't instruction on how to arrive at bliss after one died. Rather, it was how to establish justice on the earth in the here and in the now today. It was in harmony with that Jewish hope for the end of all oppression and violence and and injustice in the here and now. You can cross reference that with Isaiah uh, 42 verse 4. Let's talk about that word repentance too in Jesus's gospel. Repentance is a religiously charged word. It has a a deep history of of, uh, significant emotional abuse. Uh, But in its original context, it has very little to do with guilt trips. In the context of what Jesus taught in the gospels, repentance has much more to do with rethinking how one views and practices politics, economics, society, community. It's a call to rethink how society is shaped and to begin working towards shaping a world that is a distributively just, safe, and compassionate home for everyone. In global and in local societies of oppression, marginalization, exclusion, and exploitation, Jesus's gospel, not the gospel about Jesus, but the the gospel that Jesus actually taught in the stories, that gospel invites us to rethink. That's what repent means. It just simply means to rethink how human communities are shaped, um, especially how they're shaped today, and to imagine a world where everyone has enough to thrive. And we'll talk about this more in a a couple, uh, next week, actually, Uh, but where everybody has enough to thrive rather than some having more than they possibly uh, could ever need while most either scrape by or, or or simply just don't have enough to even live. And then this last phrase, believe the good news. The term gospel itself didn't originate in Judaism. This is probably one of the, the non-Jewish elements of Christianity. The term gospel actually originated in the Roman Empire. Whenever Rome conquered a new territory, it was 
would send out Roman, they actually called them evangelists, to proclaim that the newly conquered inhabitants, they were now going to be living under the imperial umbrella of, of the Roman Empire. And those evangelists also explained what in their society would now change, how their human communities would now change. I'm going to give you three examples of these in our e-site this week, but here I'll give you the references to them. But here are three examples of how Rome used the term gospel, glad tidings, or good news in the first century. Even after the Battle of Mantia, which Thucydides, I guess that's how you pronounce that, has described, the one who first announced the victory had no other reward for his glad tidings, for his gospel, than a piece of meat sent by the magistrates from the public mess. Another one, according when, accordingly, when uh, Aristodemus had come near, he stretched out his hand and cried out aloud, Hail, King Antigonus! We have conquered Ptolemy in a sea fight and now hold Cyprus with 12,800 soldiers as prisoners of war. To this, antagonist replied uh, hail to thee also by heaven for putting tor for but for torturing us in this way thou shalt undergo punishment the reward for thy gospel thou shalt uh, thou shalt be sometime in getting um, I don't know what the background on that was but he must have done something wrong but he didn't get the reward for for his gospel um, and for his good news. And the last one is from Plutarch. Is Why, as we are told, the Spartans merely sent meat from the public commons to the man who had brought the gospel or the glad tidings of the victory of Mantinea, which Thucydides describes. And so there, there's some examples of how the term gospel, again, it was a deeply Roman term. It was a Roman political term. The gospel authors, they lifted this language straight out of the Roman lexicons, and they began applying it actually now to the social changes Jesus' teachings could make. Just like becoming part of the Roman Empire uh, would change the way you lived your daily life um, and how the society you belong to, the structure of that society changed. So entering into uh, the type of human community that Jesus envisioned and taught it would, it would, we're going to talk about what it would look like next week, but it, it would begin to change the shape of the society that we, that we would now be living in. Um, the social changes that Jesus' teachings could make, if we chose to embrace them, would impact uh, 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 what society looked like. The society they described, it would be a human society based on, remember, the golden rule above everything else, where you treat others the way you'd like to be treated, and it embraced the, the inner connectedness of us all, our responsibility to care for one another, to love others as ourselves, to make sure everyone has enough and that no one has too much while someone's going without. The authors of the Jesus story, they coupled this Roman word gospel with the very Jewish hope of a restored kingdom. In Luke 4, 43, we read in this gospel, I must preach the good news. These are the words of Jesus. I must preach the good news for of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because this is why. I was sent. In Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And then Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of uh, the kingdom. And many see in the New Testament book of Acts, they, they see the book of Acts as an apologetic book for introducing the work of Paul as an accepted apostle into the Christian stream of, of communities in the first and second centuries. And in Acts, 
Even Paul must also be presented as teaching a gospel of the kingdom too. This is Acts 28, 30 through 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Uh, A gospel about Jesus it has historically been about how Jesus offers us a way out of this world to a better one. But Jesus instead taught us how to make the world that we're living in a home that is better for everyone. A gospel about Jesus, it's too often it has been about alleviating personal guilt. Jesus's gospel instead was about rethinking how we're structuring human communities and the societies that we belong to. A gospel about Jesus, it tends to be about post-mortem heaven in contrast to a post-mortem hell. But Jesus' gospel, it never mentions these. Jesus' gospel instead announced the arrival of a different way to shape our human communities in this world, in our world, here and now, today. And to many people today, the idea of a human society where wealth is justly and equitably distributed, where people are not marginalized, where they're not excluded or, or treated less than on the basis of race, color, gender, national origin, age, religion, creed, disability, veteran status, sexual orientation, gender identity and or expression, all of that is a pie-in-the-sky dream. Our present structure seems just as eternal and unchangeable as feudalism did in the 1600s. And maybe this is why, in a world where it seems like nothing will ever change, the gospel stories tell of a Jesus who says, it's time. It's just simply, it's time. A new way of of being human is ours for the choosing. Rethink, repent, rethink how you shape a society, how society is is, is shaped. And and I believe, despite appearances, uh, that the good news is that another world is possible. It's here now. It's possible in our lifetime if we choose it. This, in in modern-day vernacular, was the gospel that we find Jesus teaching uh, in the New Testament. A heart group application this week. Discuss with your group the differences you see between the gospel being taught by some sectors of Christianity today and and the gospel that Jesus teaches in the gospel stories. Number two, discuss with your group what significant differences this makes for you and the choices that you make in your daily life. Uh, the, The difference to follow the gospel Jesus taught rather than the Christian gospel about Jesus. And then number three, discuss how your group can also have a a more present engagement in life and in society right now. How can your heart group work in your local community to make our world a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us this week. Wherever you are, keep choosing love, keep choosing compassion, take action, and, and choose reparative and distributive justice. Another world is possible if we choose it. Uh, I believe that. And don't forget to take advantage of of Renewed Heart Ministries' shared table fundraiser going on during the months of November and December. And remember, all donations to support our work during these final two months of 2019, they're being matched dollar for dollar, which enables you to make your support go twice as far as it normally does. I love each one of you dearly. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next week.